Hey everyone, this is John Puritz. Welcome to the Man Up Already podcast. This show is dedicated to each of us being better in all areas of our lives, mentally, spiritually, physically, and relationally. We want to help you be a better you because when you man up already, the world around you is greatly impacted. Here on the podcast, we don't believe you're an accident. We believe each of us is created for purpose and this show is dedicated to helping you discover and live out that purpose. Again, welcome to the show and let's check out another great episode. Sarah, I'd love to to hear your story and, and our listeners. Okay, sure. Um, well, I, I could kind of dovetail off of uh, his story. And one of the reasons why I think uh, we're kind of perfect for for each other at this time, the time that we met 10 years ago, is because I grew up, one of my, I imagine one of your first memories being having bombs dropped in your neighborhood. Mm. And I was probably four years old living in Iran. And there was a war between Iran and Iraq at the time. And so that's kind of the environment that I grew up in. And we... Because of our religious background, we were Baha'is. We had, we, they, it, yeah, it's the, I have to be. No, you don't. <laughs> I know. I'm like, do I be careful and how do I no, award no. this? And the only reason why I say that, because it was the government that did it. It was, it's not the people, it was the Islamic government. Mm-hmm. So I'm not saying it's the Islamic people because it's two totally different things. Sure. So the government, once they came in and said, in the name of God, you know, no one, you don't kill. God doesn't ask you to kill people. I'm sorry. It just doesn't work (laughs) that way. So we, Baha'is, they couldn't uh, go to school. I mean, they can't go to college. You can't own a business. They, They were tormented. And in the beginning, they would come and take all the men and threw them in prison. And when you go to prison there, it was pretty much you were going to get, uh, they were going to assassinate you. Um, You were going to get out. And my father actually got thrown in prison twice. The first time they came in the home and they just took him out, threw him in prison. And we thought that was it. We're, you know, dads, we're never going to see that. And you were how old? I, well, I was, I was a toddler then. I was probably about a year or so. And the second time was he tried to escape the country first to come to the United States to and then bring the whole family over and he got caught. So he the second time, I believe he went to prison for about two years or so. And and luckily he got out both times. Now, the third time, uh, the whole family, we got everything together and we said we're all going to go together and how that goes down is that they find someone who does this for a living. They smuggle the people out of the country across the desert. So the whole family gets in this truck middle of the night, and they're, you know, taking us from one place to the other in the desert in the dead of night. And if you at the risk of being caught. Now, if you got caught, we're, we were dead. That was yeah. it. That was the end of it. So we did actually run into some uh, hiccups in the desert. The guy that was supposed to um, transport us to our last, um, uh, I guess, position before we, we could say we're like home free. Um, he tried to uh, basically, he, he pretended we were lost in a desert. So, Every single one of us were de- were dehydrated and passing out. And I remember my dad telling me, you know, you got to stay awake 
because, you know, your brothers are sick and mom and they were completely passed out. And this guy had other plans for us. And luckily, the, the patrol of, I believe it was Pakistan, the guy found us and uh, he escorted us to the, uh, uh, what do you call it, the borderline in, in Pakistan. And that basically saved our lives. It, it was a bad situation. And we ended up going to Pakistan. I had to live there for um, a couple of years to get our visas to be able to come to the United States. And then coming to, and that was a whole nother story living there. I, I That's why my language is a little, I spoke uh, Urdu in Pakistan <laughs> when we lived there. And when we came to the States, I didn't speak a word of English. So going to school was, you know, was lots of fun. Mm-hmm. And the hardship that my parents had to go through. And I kind of, we kind of grew up parents will, both working double shifts and the TV basically raised us. Right. Is how it went down. And then I ended up going through a horrible divorce, my first marriage, which was near, it was physically and meant, uh, verbally abusive. And when I met James, and, I, and this is why I say it's perfect, it's because he came from, where he comes from is, it's almost like having his whole world model uh, shatter because he thought, you know, I live in America and, you know, the government's for you. They're, you know, they want the best freedom, for you. liberty. Yep. Yeah. That's liberty. Right. And, but bill of me, rights. Yeah. <laughs> but for me and where I come from, that means nothing. I say, no, the government is not for you. They're, they're not for the people, the people are for the people. It doesn't work the other way around. And for him to build himself back up to for it's made me a stronger person. And I can see that because of what happened with 2020. It was kind of like, okay, well, it's it just it just is. This is, you know, this is what happens. This is what governments do, and it's it's okay. So it kind of in that sense, I have the I guess you could say backbone to be able to be Lots with, of backbone. to be with him and for us to get everything back up and running and to go through what we've been through in the past 10 years because it hasn't been easy. I mean, we get attacked on social media all the time where people call him a murderer, which is like beyond me. It's it's you don't even know what the meaning of a murder it means, you know, that you did it on purpose. That's insane. It's insane. Even the jury found that was not true, but, but it doesn't matter because the media had done their job and done it well. Mm -hmm. Um, and most people's attention span is not very long as you know, and most of us aren't independent thinkers. So we kind of, we're, we're starting to become that I believe. And that's, that's the light in the tunnel to me is that, you know, have you ever, John, have you ever had a nightmare even maybe when you were a kid or a really bad nightmare and you wake up with a start, well, and you're so relieved, you know, that the nightmare is over, but you have to remember it was the nightmare that woke you up. So if you can, if you can remember, I only woke up because of the nightmare, then we can look at what's going on and we can realize that and this is a fundamental principle in this universe every significant breakthrough is preceded by a breakdown 
it can't be any other way. Yeah. And the breakdown is really uncomfortable and it's really frightening. Um, but that's what we're going through right now. Mm-hmm. So I, I just, I just told on the tail end of your story. story. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would add to that, right? Like I, you hear it all the time. You can't have a testimony without a test. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. You can't you know. be a hero without overcoming adversity. Yeah. It, it, you know, it's funny that you talk about that just because, and I had no idea of, of your story before, you know, just meeting here on the podcast. But I think that is the the most disturbing thing for me is knowing that the, and now it it's the perception, um, I think, of the world that I thought I was growing up in and raised in and living and working in and raising a family in is blatantly over. And I think that that's the hardest thing for me as a man at 53 years old um, to swallow is, is sometimes my children who are in their, you know, young to mid twenties asking me some questions. And some of the answers are, I don't know anymore. Right. Um, My main business is a financial advisor. Mm -hmm. And when I talk to people about, you know, the next 10 to 20 years, some of the answers that I have are, I don't know. We're going to have to play defense until we figure out, you know, some things, you know, maybe that, you know, that the picture becomes clearer because we are um, in a brave new world. Right. I, I, when I think about like, when did this really turn? I really do think nine 11 was the beginning of that slow trickle of change. Um, And it's just been interesting to, to navigate. Um, But I also believe that um, it's why I'm so passionate about, you know, Gen X and, and being a, a, a Gen X man is, you know, and we can maybe now go down this little rabbit trail if we want, but I know that God created me as a man first for a purpose. And that is to protect, to defend, to stand firm. Um, you know, I said to my wife today, I had read kingdom man by, um, Oh my gosh. Uh, Tony Evans books right behind me. Um, you know, I said to my wife, I said, look, you know, when, whenever you're concerned about something, I don't want you to remember three words when it comes to me, I got it. Um, and I didn't do a good enough job early on in our marriage with, with that, but it is my mission today, you know, being older and a little bit wiser that that is who we are created to be that, you know, the buck stops here, right? We have to stand firm. Um, and I just believe that Gen X men have that opportunity to stand for what we were raised in um, Mm -hmm. that is under attack um, in today's society. Um, And I think they're fundamental truths that if we, you know, remove those clamps, we will, we will, I mean, if we're not already spinning out of control, um, you take out men um, and their divine design and, and we're in a world of hurt. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Totally agree. You know, I will shed some light on that. <laughs> is Please. I feel like between if I were to compare, let's say, um, the demographics of the American people in from the time that I lived in Iran, um, one thing that I take hope and faith in is the American people, like your age group and James's age group that they're you guys are just not going to put up with that kind of you know the government coming and taking over and you guys basically have no say and there's people like ever like uh, Joe Rogan 
mm-hmm. speaking out against things that you know that the main media is has is not doing and they're, they're coming out and speaking towards her jordan peterson or dennis prager even trump coming out fake news fake news this and that so i do take faith in that fact that i don't think america will go down the same path as like let's say you know some middle eastern um uh country like iran yeah i i there's too many people out there that are feeling the same way. Um, I really do believe that, right? I, I really do, in the end, think we're we're talking about a very small demographic that mm-hmm. that is getting all the attention. But underneath that, yeah, um, are people every day, you know, going, you know, and maybe James, like we were talking about earlier, maybe it does take. I forget how you put it. Um, you know, I say the house is burning, and she's walking out the door, right? But um, maybe it takes, you know, it's going to be something that rattles some, enough people's cages where we go, no, this is, this is the line. Um, yeah. You're not crossing it. I think it does. You know, you, you mentioned that you thought nine 11 was the, the inception of the slow trickle. And I would go back at least until 1971 where, you know, it's, it's, there's been a slow trickle when Nixon took us off the gold standard and, and, you know, again, there's, there's, this is such a web that's woven here, Mm -hmm. but when you look at the federal reserve, which is an independent unit from the government, they operate independently. You look at what you think is a U.S. dollar. It's not a U.S. dollar. It says federal reserve note on top. And, it's a symbol of debt and God knows our debt is, is ludicrous right now. But when we went off the gold standard and we just started printing fiat currency, things began to shift. And then, and then you can see the shifts. I'm, I'm working on a new book right now and I'm talking, I'm kind of walking through these periods in history and, and where the shifts occurred. You mentioned men and women are meant to be together. Well, we agree. That's the, that's biblical. You know, it says in the Bible that other kinds of relationships, you know, are, are not sanctioned are not sacred. Now, you know, if you're a grown adult and you choose to do something, you're a grown adult, just, just don't, don't put it on the children. And don't don't condition the children or force it on other people or force it on others <laughs> or, you know, um, it's not like we're just like, hey, we're straight. You don't want to be straight. That's so true. I want, I want a a a heterosexual pride month. I mean, yeah. come on. What, Look how straight what, I am. Um, but, <laughs> but nonetheless, what started to happen little by little and in Gen X is a big part of that. If you look at the the history of Gen X. And I don't know what your specific experience is, but I know that Beersheba is on the cusp of, of Gen X and millennial. So that means she whines and she gets mad about it. Um, <laughs> Sometimes. Because Gen X is always pissed off about something. Um, you know, um, what, what's that? Um, 
Millennial, I want to make an impact. What's that? Millennials <laughs> want to make an impact. And By doing Gen, nothing. Gen X is like, let's take the system down. Yeah, um, I mean, look, Gen X, Gen X birth grunge, for gosh sakes. You know yeah. I mean? yeah, exactly. There you go. You know, rage against the machine came yeah. out of Gen X. It's a perfect example of Gen X. And, and um, so, nonetheless, I don't know what your experience was, but if you look at Gen X, it was the most underparented yep. generation in history. They were the latchkey kids, yep. the nomads. They they came home. When I came home, I'm a I'm a boomer, right, right on the end of the boomer, which and because I'm on the end of the boomer, that means I missed out on all the free love and drugs and sex <laughs> the, uh, part. I Woodstock. I was way that was I was too young. But nonetheless, um, when I came home from school, mom was home every day. We ate breakfast together as a family. We ate dinner together as a family. You know, dad came home from changing the world every night and mom was there to nurture us and, and, and not Gen X because why go back to 71 and how things started, you know, credit came into play. And now all of a sudden I can put something on a credit card. I can get it right now and pay it over time, but I'll never pay it off. You know, I don't think about that though. And, and now all of a sudden I can lease a car and put down a little bit of money and not a lot of money, but I can rent it. But when the lease is up, it goes back. So it's not mine. And so all these things started to happen and, and both parents now need to work mm -hmm. because, because financially it was yeah. getting more expensive to survive at the same time, the woman's movement started to shift into big gear and they they started to move from inequality in voting to, hey, we're just like men and we need to be able to get the same jobs as men. And and that's maybe more noble than being a mom. I, I happen to disagree. Yeah. But nonetheless, it's it's a long gestalt, if you will, of things that have happened over a long period of time. And it's just coming more to the it was it was kind of insidious and under the rug for a while and a slow drip. And since 2020, it's been full bore and it's coming coming yeah. full above the table. And that's that's what's causing us to to wake up. Yeah, it's such a good. A good description of of, you know, what we're talking about and what I was thinking, you know, I I. It's funny on and all on how you see it, right? Gen X, because we were so underparented, um, you, I, I say that the advantage that Gen X had certainly over the millennials and younger is it was be home after dark. It was, I'm not going to be home until after dark. So make sure you make dinner and you do X, Y, Z. So the amount of responsibility without technology equipped us to be a lot more self-reliant and certainly have more angst, right? Because we were doing crap, you know, on our own way more than, than, you know, what our parents were doing, were doing maybe when, when they were our age, I, I guess, you know, but I just know that, you know, when you're, we were way more self-reliant and probably way more self-introspective um, uh, of what was happening around us. So it's an, it's an interesting thing, but I also think, and I've said this, since it happened. Um, and I really do believe that history books later on, um, if you want to attribute to the, the, the accelerated decline of Western civilization, I like to say, 
um, it's social media. I really truly believe that this is the catalyst um, for the enemy's playground. I really, I really do. Um, and I, I think we're, um, when things are that available and that um, easily seen, manipulated, et cetera, it's a recipe for, for, for destruction. It, it really is. And particularly without, when that becomes the babysitter and which, which it does, mm-hmm. I mean, um, Bersaba has, has young nephews who spend their entire day on, on, iPads. on iPads, you know, I mean, heaven forbid you, you go outside and you get some sunshine or you, you play some kickball or something. Um, no, no, I'm going to save the universe on my iPad. Um, so, you know, it, it, well, that's created the 30 year olds that sit and watch or, uh, play video games and they're married with a wife and a kid that's yeah yeah <laughs> are you are you are you serious right now you know okay. you're still playing xbox and you're 35 years old i mean well hang yeah. on a second i have an xbox <laughs> <laughs> that's actually a great story that's actually let me tell you i'll tell you that story so um because you went there um, and I'm defending all 50 something year old men that have an Xbox because um, I um, I was a school teacher for 10 years. Right. My my background is in education and I would come home and I and the what I love telling the story because Gen X also was around for firsts. We were there when MTV happened. We were there when the Internet happened, when when file sharing happened, all that stuff. Um, and certainly went the way video games kind of kind of grew. But I was very much into computer games. And then our family, my wife and I gave everything up in our early 30s, came here to Florida. And I went I went from being an employee to an entrepreneur like that. Mm-hmm. And I put the video games away because it's like, who has time for that? And so for 20 years, literally, it was, you don't do that. It's a waste of time, right? Et cetera. There's more things. And my wife, you know, we made some major changes in our life and I have time on my hand. And my wife was like, you do nothing for you and you're driving me crazy. You're getting an Xbox. You <laughs> liked it before and I need you to do something that is, is enjoyable. And so I, even if it's just a half hour, but I do, I enjoy it. It's a little checkout moment, right? Some people watch movies or some people do whatever. And I do all the other things, but there's this little sleeve where I get to play um, video games and have fun with that. So if there's my defense. So of, it sounds, it sounds <laughs> you, know, you, your wife, you, you just threw your wife under the bus and gave, made her responsible for your ex. But who am I to judge? No, I'll give you that. But there's some guys that just, that's, they don't have, it's like, it's almost like they had, other than like going to a nine to five job or something, then th- that's all they do. And they, they really don't have it. No, anything. I agree with you. I mean, I, 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 you, you do coaching and mentoring. So, so do both of us. Um, hers is very different than mine, mm-hmm. but you know, I have, I have clients in their early thirties who, you know, play Xbox at night and, and, and smoke pot because they can't go to sleep without smoking pot. And, and again, <laughs> it's very in vogue right now to, to smoke pot. And there's a lot of, propaganda out there saying it's good for you but there's a lot of research from stanford too that proves that there's greater heart disease and it it shuts down the cerebral cortex the executive center and if you know i don't know if you're familiar with dr daniel amon Mm -hmm. uh, we follow him on instagram and he 
he is a psychologist and a neurosurgeon and he has done brain scans of people who drank alcohol and, and smoke okay. pot. And it, and it shows you that every single sphere of the brain is underperforming for people who are doing those things. And, and so. Well, I think the reality of that is you ask anyone who's smoked pot back in the day when it was illegal <laughs> and you get in little baggies. Were you raising your hand? I was. Yeah. So like anyone who smoked it on a regular basis, they know that it's not good for you. <laughs> like, you know, it, it's not good for you. So the fact that they've somehow, I don't know what they're telling themselves to buy into this. Yeah, well, it's good for you. It's legal now. What? Right. No. Right. I want to, because this could easily be a two-hour podcast. I am yeah. so connecting with you guys um, and having <laughs> a lot of fun with you. Um, but we got to land the plane at some point. So I want to... Um, I want to kind of bring us full circle to, I think in, in our entire conversation today, there is some very clear indicators that the three of us know, and a lot of people know, um, but a lot more people don't, mm -hmm. that we're watching behaviors lead to, there are going to be a lot of people that are aware and how to move to the next level in life and how to live a fulfilled life. And there's a lot of people who are going to be checked out. I, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Napoleon Hill's book, Outwitting the Devil, but I preach that book because the concept of drift, which all of these things contribute to, if you're checked out on a video game, you're smoking pot, you're drinking, whatever it is, anything that causes you to drift, you do not fulfill your major purpose in life. And there are those, again, like us, that say, you know, no, I'm aware of that. And I'm going to tune into the things that help me food. You know, I call them the seven F's faith, fitness, finances, firm, friendships, fun, these things that allow me to be this human being that God created me to be so that I can live a life of purpose and be aware of the things that keep that from happening. And I find the gap between those that get that and those that either don't or refuse to in our society is getting wiser, uh, wider. So I just kind of maybe want to, you know, wrap us up with just that conversation and your thoughts on this. You want to take that? Uh, where do you start? I like your five Fs. Yeah. That was nice. <laughs> you can talk about food. That's one of your favorite. She, she is yeah. the world's biggest foodie. Um, <laughs> Controlled. But, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Oh, but very, very aware foodie uh, yeah okay so i've i've gone through um quite quite a bit of cleanup because of the way that i grew up and i gave you a little bit of the history of what my childhood was like it led me down the path of um smoking cigarettes i smoked cigarettes for 24 years recently quit it's been six years um i did a lot of drugs i've done i've done a lot of drinking and this was all because I, I you want to check out it's the whole right. drifting because it's very hard to deal with because those are the effects of the cause that has happened to you cause being the traumas that i experienced at a young age so for anyone to put those things aside they have to deal with the cause so you're not going to have your cigarette you're not going to have your kick or whatever distraction you have then all of a sudden comes this, you know, issue that you've been trying to put aside. Now right. you can deal with it, right? 
And it's a very, very hard thing to do. I will never minimize it because I had a very rough time going through it. And thankfully, he helped me and he was with me at the time. And I dealt with every. And here's what happens is that throughout life, you like I never wanted to be a smoker. And I've tried to quit ever since I was 19 years old. Couldn't do it. Until life gets you to a point, you get to a point and life forces you. You either make the decision to stop and change your pattern of life. Or, you know, the other path that you're going to go down to, it, it's, it's, that's it. You're done. There's no return from that path. And everyone faces this. Now, if you're willing to take the hard path towards light, then you have, you have the opportunity to do so. But if you don't, I mean, life has a very, I would say, funny way of smacking us <laughs> hard when you don't do ultimately what's right and you're supposed to do that you came in this lifetime to do in the first place. And it had pushed and I had gotten to that crossroad where I was getting heart palpitations. I was only 35 at the time or so. That, that's crazy. I mean, to have that, I knew that the rest of my life, how it would look like and not being, not having your health, you pretty much really don't have a life anymore. Right. And that, you know, that's just a fact. And, and I've never experienced, I, all, what I really wanted was to experience a life where I didn't have, um, this addiction and I didn't want to be one of those who quit smoking but I thought about it all the time <laughs> you know thought about getting my next hit my next you know quick hit and through the work that I did the cleanup work that I did and I pushed myself through it I started with my physical body I cleaned up my diet I started going to the gym every day um, you know, taking supplements and nutrients and then it's what, what, what are you watching what are you feeding yourself clean all that out what are you listening to clean all that out and then we did uh through a, a process i do with my clients is doing uh, deep healing work it's intuitive healing intuitive integration so you go in and you heal these traumas that you've occurred and you literally set yourself free because you're collecting these parts of yourself that's stuck in time somewhere you can say and I know it to be possible because I've done it on myself. And I know that it works because I've done it on myself. The drifting, you could ignore it all you want. Go, uh, you, yeah, drift, ignore, but sooner or later, life is going to smack you. And it's going to smack you hard. The longer you wait, the harder you're going to get smacked. Mm. <laughs> you that way. Mm. That's really good. <laughs> you gotta write that down. Make sure you reference her if you quote oh, that. That's okay. Uh, that's a that's a Bersabeism. <laughs> the longer you wait, the harder you'll get smacked. Yeah. True. Yeah, and it's and I'll tell you, you want to be the one making the choice to do something different. You don't want life forcing you. That is yeah, you don't want to do that. It's really you know, it's a, again, it's all these things connect and it's certainly another topic at another time, but it's something that I'll talk about. Um, I'm speaking at an event tomorrow online for someone and, and you're one, you know, we talk about all the time goals and, you know, it's, it's a dream and it's a wish until it becomes emotional. 
And then when it's emotional, that's when it really is a goal, right? It's only until that point where it is an internal thing, right? You stop smoking yeah. because you had to, you wanted to, you were emotionally connected to a theoretical thing. And only until the head and the heart align, can we really then um, yeah. get after those things, which is um, something I think, you know, people are chasing things in life so often that they're not emotionally connected to. Yeah. Um, and you're just kind of running around in a circle, never really achieving the things that you really can until you really get, which is why I believe in mentors and coaches and having somebody to help you guide you through yeah. that process. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. yeah. To that, to that point um, in my New York times bestseller harmonic wealth, I talk about what I call going three for three. Your thoughts, feelings, and actions almost be firing in alignment. If you want to create what you desire and deserve, your thoughts, feelings, and actions almost be firing in alignment. Emotion is like the engine in the car. Your thoughts are just a steering wheel. It's a directional device. It's going to tell you, I'm going to go here. I'm going to go there. I'm going to yeah. discern this or discriminate against that, whatever. But the emotion is the engine. It, look at the word emotion, energy in motion. It moves your body to act. And until, you know, you mentioned Napoleon Hill, as much as I love thinking grow rich, I, I love outwitting the devil even more. I think it's a better, better book. I read it when yeah. I was in prison, um, actually. And it really, really is profound. And, and so, you know, if, if you just, but, but so many times we hear, just visualize, just think about it. You know, just think of what you think about comes about. Oh, really? Well, how's that working for you? It's probably not because you, if you're not going three for three, you can yeah. feel something and, and not have the vision. And that's not going to work either. You can act without a vision or a feeling. And that's not going to work either. You've got to do all three. Yeah. Um, so you're spot on with that. Well, you, um, I like the way you did that, by the way, because you did write a book um, uh, called Harmonic Wealth, which I think you have a gift for our listeners. We do. You know, I, I had this really big goal when I put out Harmonic Wealth to redefine the word wealth. If you ask 99% of the people what wealth means, they're going to say something about fun finances or money. Mm -hmm. But if you trace the etymology of the word wealth back to its origins, it literally translates as well-being. It has nothing to do with money. This doesn't mean money can't be present, but, but harmony, harmonic wealth is about harmony and well-being in what you have five. We have five as well. Financial, relational, mental, physical, spiritual. When all of those are in harmony, then you're truly wealthy. Yeah. And, and so, Yes, we, we'd love to give a gift to your viewers of my New York Times bestseller, Harmonic Wealth, and, and help me with the URL. It's harmonicsuccess.net forward slash hw-book. All right, hang on a second. We're going to... Yeah. I, should I... I we're can... put that up. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> and... We're going to put that up. Give that to me one more time. It's harmonicsuccess.net forward slash HW and then dash book. And thank you. I have that Thanks. right. Yep, you got it. Thank you. And when you go there, 
you put in your information and you'll instantly get the ebook, but we made it better. We, we also are going to give you the audio, audio. version mm-hmm. so you can listen to it on the treadmill or on the bike, which hopefully you use. <laughs> and then we also hired a film crew and we have a full feature film called Harmonic Wealth. And we're going to give you a streaming copy of the film as well. Yeah. Wow. Just awesome. for going there. So, you know, hopefully that'll help benefit you in, in these times to create harmony and well-being, even in difficult times. That's, mm-hmm. that's our great wish. That's awesome. I really, really appreciate, you know, you, one, you doing that and just two, what you guys are, are after, even in spite of um, everything that you've experienced um, in life and how you've taken that pain and, and made it a purpose. It's, um, it's pretty awesome um, what you, what you guys are doing. And um, I'm, I, I'm so grateful how things work and, you know, um, I just made a wacky connection and, and here you guys are um, on, on, in my opinion, one of the best episodes of the year. So oh, wow. I really truly oh, appreciate you both. It means yeah. a lot. Thank yeah. you. You know, it's always such an honor to have such incredible guests here on the podcast and the podcast just wouldn't be what it is without our great sponsor, Master Beef Jerky. Head on over to masterbeefjerky.com. Check out their product. It is really incredible beef jerky if you're a fan uh, like we are. It's made here in the USA. It's handcrafted. There's no MSG. It's low in soda, low in fat. Sorry, it's gluten-free. It's just freaking good. Their motto is bold flavor, tender bite, and they've got flavors uh, like their original. They've got uh, smoked barbecue, Korean barbecue, Western teriyaki, sweet and spicy mango and pineapple, carne asada, garlic pepper, a California, a Carolina Reaper flavor, and black pepper. It is good stuff. Head on over to MasterBeefJerky.com and on your order, if you put in coupon code MUAP, you will get 20% off. Master Beef Jerky, bold flavor, tender bite, and a great sponsor of the podcast.